God who made all things, the second person of the Trinity who humbled himself in the form of a servant and came to earth, living among us, calling us to repentance, taking our sins on himself, dying for us and rising again. What does it mean to be grounded in that person? Each episode, we will unpack what it means to be grounded in Christ, what it means to be a branch in the true vine, what it means to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and how our groundedness in Christ should influence the way we look at faith, worship, politics, marriage, history, scripture, theology, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoy the episode, that God speaks through me during our time together, and that this and every episode grounds you further in Jesus Christ. Isaiah is written to the people of Judah as they are staring down a ticking clock one that was counting down the time they had before the covenantal curses caught up with them. The Lord God had promised Abraham and his descendants both blessings and curses, depending on how they trusted and followed after him. A huge part of the blessings to the people of God was the land of Israel, and they abused that privilege for a long time. So, ultimately, God took that blessing from them. When I was reading through this chapter in Isaiah, I found myself asking a simple, but slightly worrisome question. Is this the American church? Are we guilty of Isaiah's pronouncement in chapter 44? This post isn't really going to give a definitive yes or no answer, but I hope it will cause us all to be a little bit more focused on the Lord, and a little bit more discerning when it comes to those things that we put too much trust in. As Christian singer-songwriter Ross King puts it, Anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything that I give all my love is an idol. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. There is no God but me. The Lord restates in this very beginning part of the passage an obvious thing. He is reiterating the command that he gave to his people many generations prior on Mount Sinai. But it is equally as obvious that it bears repeating. These people had abandoned a true worship of the Lord for other things. Things that the world pushed. Things that they had made with their own hands. Things obviously made from the world around them. Whether it was idols made of wood, stone, ink, or a living of a life that reflected their hearts, desires for power, for fame, for fortune, or for just ease, these people had abandoned seeing the Lord as their God. Now, for the hard part. Is this us, American church? No, I'm not speaking to every single American who's a Christian. Just as the Lord understood there was a remnant in Israel that would suffer the same punishment as the covenantally guilty, but, dear reader, ask yourself this question honestly. Have you, have I, put things up in our lives that we essentially worship, that we give exorbitant amounts of time to, 
things that ultimately begin to demand more time. Things that aren't necessarily bad all the time, but definitely are not God. There are good things in this world that the world that the Lord created. But when good things become God things, they become idols. They become sinful. These things in our lives that we give far too much time to, they cannot see the future. They cannot bend nature to their wills. And there are many things in our lives now that can begin to detract from God's worship. What is scary is that many of them will begin as a good or a godly thing. The higher demon in Screwtape Letters tells the demon in training, his nephew, that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his, the patient's, wandering attention. Shylin, the Christian hip-hop artist, in one of his songs, talks about how the devil knows the times and the targets and will use a revolving distractions, uh, such as hedonism or legalism, whenever the time is right for either of them. If you aren't a believer, the devil will distract you from becoming one. If you are a believer, he will distract you from ever reading your Bible. If you read your scriptures, then he will distract you from believing the scriptures. All of this is to say that we need to be clear who we are worshiping, who is truly worthy of our worship. It isn't fame or family or fortune. It is the rock, the redeemer, the Lord of armies, God Almighty. All who make idols are nothing, and what they treasure benefits no one. This particular sentence from this chapter, this is hard. In a day where the world wants to assign infinite value to everything and everyone, well, except orthodox, historical, apostolic Christians and Christianity, this verse strikes us as inhumane or out of touch. But let's take an introspective look. As John Calvin smartly said, the human heart is a perpetual factory of idols. There's a good, this, sorry, this particular idea that Calvin has is a good look at the passage in Isaiah we're looking at, and the passage in Jeremiah that reminds us that the heart is wicked above all things. Who can know it? You and I have a natural fallen tendency to seek idols and to create idols, whether that means that we create them for ourselves or chase after ones the world's already produced. These idols are nothing, and these idols lead their worshipers to nothingness. Apart from Christ, there is only wandering, error, and death. Remember, he is the way, the truth, and the life. To be apart from Christ, you get none of that. Apart from God, we are simply dead in our trespasses. Ephesians 2, 1. Their work, you know, these people who create and chase after idols, their work, whether for the betterment of mankind or simply to create that new thing to devote ourselves to, which is apart from God, it will ultimately go nowhere. The treasures that they amass, the fame and fortune they produce, will benefit nothing and no one. We need to beware thinking we will not pay for our idolatry. Even those in Christ will be judged at the end. They will be found completed in Christ, but they will still answer for the fruit they did or did not bear uh, for him at the end. Look at Second Corinthians 5.10. I say that to myself as much as I write it for you and speak it for you in this podcast. The thing that takes our attention, whether it be a blatant sin or something 
have it, was outwardly seeming to be good. If they occupy our minds, they are an idol. He makes a god or his idol. He bows down to it and worships it. No one comes to his senses. He feeds on ashes. Here is really where it all comes to a head. This is where we have to beware and flee from that temptation. It is here that God is getting to his words through Isaiah. The person being condemned in this section is shown to be an utter fool. Going through the process of shaping an idol, you know, getting the materials, literally creating this thing, and then having leftovers after actively having created this idol, which he uses for other worldly needs. And then he takes this newly formed and created idol and he bows and he worships it as if it could do anything at all. We read this nowadays and we scoff at the absolute futility of this hypothetical idol maker's life. Beloved, this is us. We cannot simply point to the simple-minded ancient person as unenlightened and backward. Ask yourself, ask yourself an answer honestly, even today. What idols have you bowed down to? Let's list and count out some options. Pornography, lust of the heart, lust of the eyes. Or what about alone time for video games or book reading or anything that takes you away from the responsibilities? Everyone else be damned. Maybe your spouse is held up to a point of divinity. Maybe your children are coveted above the Lord. Your job and your progress or your reputation therein are seen as prime importance. Sleeping in while knowingly shirking responsibilities. Putting off time in the word or in prayer because something else came up. We could go on and on. Our hearts are truly wicked, producing every kind of idol. And when we do this, when we find ourselves distracted with many things, distracted from true worship, we feed on ashes. We choke to death. You and I, we inhale destruction and we spew it out. And we do this until we find ourselves broken and either in eternal defeat or at the foot of the cross. So, where do we go from here? As I wrote this the first time and Honestly, even now as I record it, I feel the temptation to go seeking that idol in my life. As I speak these words, I want to. God help me, I want to. My flesh is still weak, even when the Spirit of Christ within me is strong. So, America Church, where do we go from here? Isaiah's pronouncement here is to jar the nation of Judah, God's people, into an understanding that what they were pursuing was death, not life, not the life of the Redeemer Lord. We have something these people didn't have. We have the full word of God. We have the full counsel. Use it to your advantage. He gave us, the Lord gave us his word in the flesh to both encourage and convict us. Reject the desires of your heart, those which would turn you from the Lord and from our Christ. Flee the temptations of Potiphar's wife and leave your cloak if need be. Beloved in Christ, we do not need to seek the idols of this world. We have the true and perfect sacrifice in Christ Jesus. We don't need to, the, to have these lusts of our hearts because we have the bridegroom himself. 
Our flesh is still being sanctified, yes. But it's being sanctified because we have the Spirit of Christ within us. Lean on this truth and give up your idols. So let me conclude again to quote Roth King. Clear the stage and set the sounds and lights ablaze if that's the measure that it takes to crush the idols. Chuck the pews and all the decorations too until the congregations few then have revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends until you're broken for your sins. You can't be social. Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store and know that great is your reward and just be hopeful because you can sing all you want to. But worship is more than a song. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Grounded. I pray that in this short time, God has used me to encourage and convict you, to help you as the Spirit grounds each of us more and more into the person of Jesus Christ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. Grounded also has an accompanying Instagram account and a Substack if you're interested in getting more content or just getting it in a different way. As always, have a blessed day and I look forward to talking again soon.